Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2004, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Welcome, listeners, to our March episode of From the Runway Up. This year is just flying by. It really is. It has been such a busy year here at Mickey Tyson Airport. We just recently celebrated a record-breaking year of 2.2 million passengers in 2018. So thank you if you flew in and out of our facility. Yes. And we've also had some really interesting podcasts. So if you haven't had a chance to tune into those, you can do that by going and visiting from the runwayup.com and, and checking that out. But, you know, we've actually had one of our most popular episodes recently for the proposals, people sharing their love connections at the airport. Yeah, we did that one just kind of for fun, just around Valentine's Day to share some love, you know, love is in the air. And that was really popular. And we've received a lot of really good feedback from that episode. Also, if you haven't already listened, we interviewed the zoo to see how they use the airport to transport animals all across the country. And today we are going to talk with East Tennessee Children's Hospital to see how they utilize the airport. And they actually use the airport for emergency situations that you don't really think about. You hope you never have to use the airport for that situation, but I'm really excited to talk with Children's Hospital to see how McGee Tyson Airport plays into their mission. Well, and what I think is really interesting is I learned a lot about Children's Hospital doing some background looking into this to prepare for today's podcast, and it was founded the same year as McGee Tyson Airport. They were founded in 1937, and they serve over 16 counties in our area, so they provide resources and medical assistance to children all across the board. And it's amazing what they do there. And serving all of those kids and serving such a large community, I'm really excited to see how aviation plays a role in those children's lives. So today we are joined with a representative from East Tennessee Children's Hospital. So Hella, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about East Tennessee Children's Hospital? I'd love to. Well, my name is Hella Ewing and I'm Vice President for Patient Care Services and the Chief Nursing Officer here at East Tennessee Children's. I have just a Celebrated four years here in East Tennessee, um, and I came from Florida. I lived down there for 26 years from the uh, St. Pete, Tampa area. East Tennessee Children's um, attracted me for many different reasons. Um, we have a wonderful CEO who's a fantastic leader. The depth of the services that they provide here and this size of community was surprising to me. It's exceptional physicians coming from great programs and a internal staff that really understands the mission of this organization. Truly, they are focused on providing comprehensive care that is exceptional that focuses on long-term education and a support that's really family-focused. So I see that each day. I'm a rounder, and I love touching base with my staff and my um, patients, and I truly see the connections each and every day. So it's a special place. I think anybody who comes in feels that, and I felt that when I came here. 
So that's what attracted you to it. As your background, have you always been in pediatrics or is it something that you found important just here? No, I've been in pediatrics for a little more than 13 years now. I started out um, as an adult nurse. Interesting, I was actually an avionics technician in the United States Air Force wow. Um, wow. for almost eight years and uh, worked on F-15 fighter aircraft. So aviation is close to my heart. Yes. I cross-trained as much as I could all the way across on the F-15s, but my biggest goal, I think, especially as a younger airman, is um, wanting my name on the side of a jet. And you could only do that if you were a crew chief. So I cross-trained to be a crew chief, too. So yeah. electronics is great, but I wanted my name on that jet. <laughs> yes, that, we've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> so I was only a little familiar with this organization. I was actually um, looking at several different communities, most of them larger. Houston was one, uh, Seattle was another, um, and actually Memphis was with another, um, all pediatrics. But when uh, my recruiter called and said that the position is available, I also knew the previous CNO, and uh, she had sort of linked that recruiter with me. I had walked through, and I, and I remember very specifically saying, Dottie, I don't think East Tennessee would work for me because my husband and I travel a lot, and I need an airport that I can get in and out of reasonably. <laughs> and she says, oh, they have a great airport here. You have to see it. It is adorable, easy to get around. And she said, we've had no issues no matter where we are because they traveled around from a recruitment standpoint from wherever we are and getting in and out. And I said, oh, so I can check that box because there was a couple of boxes I had. <laughs> Check. Yeah, that and we need to checked. send her some flowers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. So um, when we flew in, and I flew up several different occasions, it was very easy. You got a feel for the community as you walk through the airport, which is um, significant, I, I think. That waterfall and the water out yeah. and the bears. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's just like, oh, this well, is good. East Tennessee. I am so glad that the planning behind it actually translates yep. to the people who fly through it. Because <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of uh, thought put into how people move through the facility and what kind of impression we wanted to make when they designed the terminal back in 2000. Mm-hmm. We want it to immediately feel like you've stepped into our community when you get here. So that's great. It's, it's a working. success. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know. I, I really love the bears. So. Yes. yes. Most photographed place in the in airport, airport is the bear. Oh, yes. that's crazy. So that's fun though. So it makes it part of each Tennessee. I can still remember seeing my first um, bear out at Kate's Cove. Oh. So with two cubs, I was very fortunate. Oh, so wow. our first trip out there and it was like, I got to see bears my first trip so not everybody gets to no. everyone's like this doesn't happen every time you, yeah, you drive no, around not by any means so but we have a lot of services that we provide I think another big thing that attracted me is the connection this hospital has to the community the community takes a lot of pride in East Tennessee children's um, I heard that from a taxi ride that was in that was before really Uber was really popular yeah. <laughs> and, but the taxi driver had had a granddaughter who had um, experienced the car accident and he talked all about how the doctors were fantastic in the ICU. So it was sort of a play up already in regards to how the community feels. You can always find out how the community really is when you talk to taxi drivers. Yeah, That's very a true. key point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw the services that we provide here, it's comprehensive oncology program. And I really don't think still that a lot of the community understands how large and the expertise that we have and comprehensive program that we have for kids with cancer. We see a lot. I think every time we um, do a tour with somebody that's joined locally and they walk through and they go up to our clinic, they're like, wow, 
all these kids have cancer Mm -hmm. in this community. And uh, they get to have their services provided here. We have the same protocols as everybody else does. They're pretty standardized. So we're able to treat those kids in the community that they live. And that's really important. Not just to the child to be near home, but for the family to have the support and resources to continue to back them up while they're going through this such difficult time. It Mm -hmm. is a difficult time. And the, the cases don't always turn out optimal. We lose children every once in a while to cancer. And that's a sad moment. And I can still remember, it was probably a little more than a year ago, there was a child that was um, what we call end of life. And his brother was in the military and was stationed out in California. And um, so when we walked through the process of getting closer to us saying goodbye, it was really important for his brother to be. And the entire team here at um, East Tennessee, our social workers and the physicians, really jumped through some hoops to advocate at a level from the military standpoint. But also then to provide, because they couldn't afford it, air support for him to come out and see his little brother. And he did. And um, so that was a special thing for all of us to be able to participate in. I always say there's such beauty in life at birth, but there's also beauty in how you can see these children and the courage that they have um, when they face these diseases. It's amazing. So just breaks my heart, but also encouraging too. It's such a a double-edged kind of thing. Well, you know, and again, I always say for a community this size, we're more regionalized and we're becoming more regionalized with opening of our new urgent care center on the west side of town, but we also have one opening up in um, April off of Emory, so the north side of town. Wonderful. Our focus is, again, to make sure that what's available here at the hospital is available out in the community. Mm-hmm. where they need the services and may not need the ED or inpatient. Yeah. But to get the quality of service for pediatric, because that's what we do uh, is pediatrics and only pediatrics. So that's um, one of the areas that we're really focusing on now is really how can we more looking out in the future, regionalize ourselves to get the care to where the patients are needing it and not just expect them to come to us. Well, and as someone who has actually utilized your pediatric services in West Knoxville, uh, (laughs) we were in a situation with my son. He had gotten some bug bites or things. And of course, Mm -hmm. boys are dirty (laughs) and they don't keep their hands clean and they scratch and they do Mm -hmm. things. And overnight, he immediately started running 104 fever Mm -hmm. and started getting very sick. But we didn't think it was an emergency. And then we drew a circle around his areas and then they got bigger and we were like, okay, so do we go to an emergency room or do we go to a place? And one of the things that I like best about that West Knoxville location is it doesn't feel as serious as the emergency room, Mm -hmm. but it is serious care when you get there. They treated him like... It was a big situation, and it laid me because I was nervous. We couldn't get his fever below 104. It was very scary, but at the same time, we knew it wasn't something so serious as an emergency room needed, Mm -hmm. but the staff was professional and did a wonderful job. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. So, And it was a spider bite, It was. Yeah, it ended up being a spider bite, so it really was something pretty serious. But having that resource in West Knoxville, very close and convenient, right in our back door was something that was really nice. It actually helped me make that decision between do I go to the doctor or do I wait it out and see what it is? It's close, it's convenient, and it was something that I knew I'd get quality care. My husband and I recently went out to Dollywood, and I guess it's spring break or something going on in Europe because everybody that was there was from Italy, and there was um, people from Spain and Germany. So we were, and I was like, (laughs) 
we're in East Tennessee <laughs> and, um, and sat down and we were talking to this one couple from Germany because we lived in the Netherlands for many years and we knew their area that they were from. And it was very interesting to have the conversation. They said, we usually go to Florida, but then we had heard about East Tennessee and all the things to do in Gatlinburg. You know, they were very focused on Gatlinburg and Dollywood and stuff and hiking. They were both hikers, but they said it was much easier to get here than they thought. And okay. so, and much easier to get here than it was to Jackson. Which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure about all the connections that they had to make, but they thought it was pretty easy. So I think the airport offers that for our areas and our community that needs it. I know we see it in the hospital because people that come here and they get sick with their child come to us. And so having those services available comprehensively, again, around this entire community is very, very important. We just did something for the first time at this hospital, and it embraced a lot of our hearts, is we had a baby that was going back and giving up organs. The baby didn't make it through process, a motor vehicle accident, which meant another child was going to receive organs. One of the things and the questions that they ask, it's very time-oriented. And for communities that don't have available airports, we can't provide that service. Here in East Tennessee and Knoxville, we can. And so we were able to have many different people line the hallways for this family to honor them because what they were doing is such a huge decision and, and sacrifice that they're going through. And the whole teams that come in, um, they were from four different hospitals. And they all had to utilize the services. And again, yeah. unless you have that airport, and that's one of the questions we get asked, how far is your airport? How can we get there? We wouldn't have been able to provide that to another kid in another facility who needed that life-saving organ. So again, it, it's very important for the growth of a community, for the support of our um, physicians that we bring in and recruit, to have available uh, airport that they can come in easily, come to uh, interview process see the community, travel around. We take them all over because I think Knoxville sells itself. We can't imagine living anywhere else. And we live down 10 and a half acres down south, but I still like to travel though. Yeah. <laughs> We're glad we encourage everyone to travel. Well, you've mentioned some specific examples of how the hospital does utilize the airport. Can you talk about a little bit more kind of some stories or examples that have, the airport has impacted your operations here? From the operations, I would go back again from the organ procurement side is very, very important from an operational standpoint to have that availability. To be able to life flight a kiddo out, so not all kids go by helicopter. If they're going further for life-saving things that we may not provide here, which is a few services that we don't, we can send them fixed wing. And so being able to send them out that way is very, very important. Getting family members in during crisis is extremely important and having that communication and availability of the airport so they can arrive here as quick as possible. When you get that phone call in the middle of the night, whether it's a motor vehicle accident or something and a family is injured and their child specifically um, is injured, so important. Parents go on vacation by themselves every once in a while too and grandparents and we've seen that. And being able to get back quickly is mm -hmm. a huge factor. So from an operation standpoint that way, I think having those services close by is very important. And again, I think it from a recruitment standpoint, if you don't have an airport, 
that can facilitate travel, especially where you don't have to transfer planes. I go out to Denver at least one time a year, and I know quite a few surgeons that go out there as well. I think I said earlier, I, I love fly fishing. And so I get to do plenty of that here, but I love going out to Colorado, and I only have to get on a plane and not have to transfer or go through Atlanta. <laughs> not that I just don't love Atlanta, but <laughs> if I can avoid that and do one flight, I can go to Dallas. I mean, there's several different places that I have to go to frequently that I appreciate a direct flight instead of having the transfer. And again, I was surprised to find out how many that we had that came through the airport. I also go back down to St. Pete. I love it in East Tennessee, but I love going back down to the sun and see a Rays game down there (laughs) every once in a while. And you can do that on a nonstop flight. On a nonstop flight. And I can go out on a Thursday, Friday and come back on a Monday. So I don't really miss that much work. And sometimes that's really important for me. Schedule's not always as flexible as I would like it to be. I try to have that, you know, middle ground and (laughs) wellness and, you know, mindfulness of my my own uh, health. But sometimes I'll go almost a whole year and it's like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. Just being able to hop on a plane and go down. We have a lot of conferences also in Orlando for pediatric um, but health care focused. And so it makes it really convenient now to um, fly down and fly up because of the direct flights. You mentioned a whole lot of things that have impacted the, the hospital from the perspective of aviation, but I want to know more about the hospital and where you see things going. What's on the horizon for the kids of our community? I think one of the most exciting things, as you all know, we um, received some monies from Scripps to help with the tower, but also to help with a project that is called Simulation Innovation Center. And what's super exciting about this is that it's not only for our internal staff, but also for our families. We have a lot of medically complex kids. There's an area that's set up over in the center that's going to be focused just on families so we can set up a living room. I know it sounds sort of odd, but when you have a baby that's trached and on feeding tube, you have to learn how to get that child in and out of a crib and in and out of a bathtub and how to maneuver that without hurting those accesses that we need. And so the center is going to really provide a really stable environment because in the past how we've done that is taught the families on their own babies. Mm -hmm. And you know how hard, I mean, it is terrifying. You know, first of all, you're dealing with, I thought everything was going to be perfect, and then you have a child that has a trach or whatever for an extended period of time, and then you're trying to just digest that, and then we're going to send you home, and you're going to have to take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so this center is really going to be able to provide an avenue for families to come and to practice as much as they want oh, wow. on a mannequin with educators that really help them walk through that. We will also have scheduled things. So if they have a change in caregivers or their infrastructure's changed, they can come and take those classes as well. Again, as much as they can and in a realistic environment. The also super cool thing, it's got a whole innovation side. So those pediatric issues that we run into, I used an example the other day because I was in the OR and we have these buffers for pressure points on kids and this child had to be placed face down. 
And so we put a lot of things so they don't get sores. And the cushion that we have is really made for adults. It's not made for pediatric. We're running into that a lot. A lot. I bet you do. And so we're sitting there trying to cut it and all that. And it's like, wouldn't it be awesome if we had something like this and it was perforated so we could just punch it out? So really what the Innovation Center is about looking at the barriers that we have and then working with partners that are maybe in Oak Ridge or maybe Bosch Innovation. Who knows? But working with those centers and their innovators to work with the sharp id and those people that know where the problems are and say, can we fix this? Why can't we fix this? Not even for the betterment of just ourselves, but maybe other pediatric facilities. So I know that's coming uh, along lines. So That's great. Yeah, we're looking for our third location right now. We still haven't decided for our urgent care, um, so that's really good. And we always continue to look at our existing programs and how we can expand those and make them more comprehensive for services that um, patients might have to see outside of our 16 counties that we serve. Well, and I've always been impressed with the education. You mentioned that as part of one of the things that you see in the future, obviously the basis for the Scripps investment in the new building, but... I've always been impressed with all the different types of education that you provide to the people. It's not just that you have this diagnosis, now go forth and try to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Or I want to be a babysitter and I want to be certified. Exactly. <laughs> it's you know, There's a lot of different things that you address from your facility. How do you determine what education processes are in place and how people receive that information? Well, about every three years, we do a community-wide assessment. It's really part of our obligation to this community to really assess where the needs are. And so within that, we can usually identify. It's also sometimes just a wild idea where we see a gap and we say, we can fill that gap um, pretty easily. Babysitting. And actually, we had a class here just a couple of weeks. I was here on a weekend. And I said, this looks like this is babysitting. CPR <laughs> class. Uh-huh. So all the kids bright-eyed and their parents are out waiting for them. You know, yeah. it was just adorable. But really, a community assessment and the health needs assessment really drives a lot of that. So education around obesity. And really, it's about increased activity and eating right. Of course, what's near and dear to our heart are kids with diabetes. Obesity is pretty significant here in East Tennessee. And so we do a lot of focusing on not only the obesity side and type 2 diabetes that we've seen just go skyrocket, but also then how to manage that. And what's unique about pediatrics is we're not just teaching a patient how to manage that. We're teaching a family Mm -hmm. how to manage that. The dynamics change completely. So we can do all we want to teach a child to eat properly or incorporate more fruits or, you know, stay away from potato chips. (laughs) But if the family doesn't engage in that at the same time, they're not going to be successful. So truly, when we look at managing any disease process and the education involved in it, we always have to think of the whole family component and not just um, peds. We also do, because we are a comprehensive pediatric facility here, regional, we in the 16 counties send people out to do evaluations of ED. So in their labor and deliveries, and they only have a nursery and not a NICU, what do you have to do to resuscitate a baby if you run up to issue until transport can get there? What does the ED have to do to take care of a pediatric patient that walks in unexpectedly and they can't? send them directly to us. They have to stabilize that child before they can come to us. So we do a lot of teaching to make sure that not just us, but those hospitals within our region are providing the best care that they can to our little ones. So, and our big ones. 
Yeah, they get a little bigger too. They're not all little. So, well. just for clarification, pediatrics in your kids are ages up to twenty-one. Actually, we see kids twenty here, and actually even a few adults because of the protocols that we run that are better for adults than the adult protocols, especially related to cancers and some of the neuro patients. But the bulk of the kids that we see are uh, up to the age of eighteen. Really, toddlers and kids under the age of 10, when you walk through the units, you'll see a lot of those. So, Because yeah. mm-hmm. I know that, you know, I have a daughter who's 18. I won't say how old, but she feels like she's not a pediatric patient anymore <laughs> and feels like she's super grown up when we mm-hmm. go to her pediatrician and should have her own real doctor because mm. she needs to be that. So I've always been curious what falls into the pediatric category. And I can tell you that there's kids that are really upset when they have the transition when they're 21 years old that have utilized our services. One, because you just have more fun in a pediatric. There's more things to do. And even at age 18, there's things you want to do. And I have to tell you a story. I'm I'm not going to throw him under the bus in his name, but he is a senior vice president of one of the banks here locally (laughs) who sent me a picture via text of his 17-year-old son. And as you scroll through it, and he's a football player too, scroll through it, he's holding a teddy bear. Okay. So this is a 17 year old boy that is definitely, but when you're sick, you're sick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things that comfort kids. We can take care of kids through all age range better than anyone else because we understand their emotional growth even at age 18, and we think we're adults, yeah, <laughs> but they still get scared. Yeah, And we have tools that we can help them get past that. And they don't like getting an IV or they don't like getting stitches anything more than a two-year-old, I can tell you. So yeah. <laughs> um, they're, not, they're not much braver. Actually, some two-year-olds might be braver. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so in reality, if I had an option and I was 18 years old, I'd want to come through. <laughs> I'd, I'd want to come, come here. here. <laughs> well, it really does look a lot of fun. I might want to come here, too. We to often say. <laughs> we often say that. I wish I could come here for my care. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't discussed today that you would like our listeners to know about Children's Hospital? Well, Children's Hospital, like I said, is the only pediatric care facility here. We were one of the first. We're over 80 years old. Significant community integration. We have a responsibility to this community. And I think the responsibility is felt both ways. But don't underestimate the services that this community hospital provides because it's equal to other centers I've been in much larger areas. And I think they'll find that there's fantastic both physicians, nurses, and other caretakers that focus on kids all the way. We talked about integrating a whole new MRI feel where it's dim lights and there's pictures where you could watch a film on the wall. That's how we think. It's like, how is a kid going to adjust to this environment? And you can do it from everything from a toddler all the way through teenagers. So I think our first and foremost thought, whenever we look at any project, how is this going to affect the child? How is this going to affect the family? And then we make it work backwards. And that's what makes us special here. Yes, and you are special. Thank you for everything that you do. And thank you so much for spending time with us on our podcast. We appreciate it. I love it. Thank you so much. That was so interesting hearing from Hella. And what I loved at the very beginning is how aviation has actually played a role in her life personally. You know, she was an Air Force pilot, and then now the airport actually played a role in her being here in East Tennessee. So I feel like. 
It always happens, you know, whenever we're talking to people, the airport plays a role or the aviation plays a role. And, and I thought that was a really good way to kick off the podcast interview. Well, and it just makes sense in the fact that the airport is not just an economic generator and brings people to and from your community, but it connects people and it, it connects us to the services that we need, like medical services. Mm-hmm. I, for one, have been a personal beneficiary of aviation in the medical industry. My dad had a lung transplant and had that done in Jacksonville, Florida at the Mayo Clinic there. Well, he was wonderful doing well and can come back home. And then he had a situation as happens Mm -hmm. with transplant patients. And so in our community at the time, we really didn't have a medical resources available for people who were transplant patients. And when he got sick, the only way to get in there is through Angel Flight. So the Angel Flight program took him on board an aircraft from Knoxville down to Jacksonville. And they had on board a nurse, a medical doctor, and a pilot with my stepmom. And they could get him the treatment that he needed and access to a hospital that he needs it. And people do that all the time. And that was right out of McGee Tyson? It was right out of TAC Air at our General Aviation mm-hmm. Facility. And it connected us to a major transplant hospital in the state of Florida. And it happens. MD Anderson cancer patients travel there every day mm-hmm. to have types of services performed that maybe that that are being revolutionary that are are part of some kind of trial but the way they do that and the way they have access to that because it's so far away there's no way they can drive and then after having treatment like that you can't be in you a car that long mm-hmm. so it's it's crucial to have aviation as part of the medical environment well and Helen mentioned too the organ procurement program that East Tennessee Children's Hospital does I mean that's something that relies heavily on aviation and you don't think about that every day well there's no way that those organs could reach people at any kind of distance and still remain viable without transportation like that. In the medical industry, too, I've heard of organizations that make medical isotopes that help with treatments of certain types of ailments. Those things have a lifespan Mm -hmm. and they degrade. And over time, if the further they go out, the less effective they are. So wouldn't you want to have access to an airplane to get that treatment to you as quickly as possible to have the best chance? Right. You know, I think aviation plays a critical role in, in really helping people when time matters. Yeah, you know, we typically in our podcast, we we focus on maybe the business of airports or the nice and the feel good memories that happen here at Mickey Tyson Airport. But this podcast really has focused on how the airport and how aviation can be life changing to to families here in East Tennessee. And I love how our airport can play a very small, very small, but very critical role in someone's life just through aviation. And especially uh, with kids, like the ones that we talked Mm -hmm. about from Children's Hospital. So we're so thankful that they joined us today. And hopefully you enjoyed listening to Hella and her stories about what they can do to help the children of East Tennessee. So thank you all so much for listening into our episode today. If you'd like to learn anything else about East Tennessee Children's Hospital and their mission, uh, be sure to visit our website at fromtherunwayup.com. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you will tune in again next month.
So that 